The Dallas Mavericks beat the Lakers 119-115 in double overtime last night. Luka hit a game-tying three in the final minute of regulation, and then another one in the final minute of the first overtime to help the Mavericks beat the Lakers. Uh, but what get I, this kid some help. What I enjoyed more was a story that ESPN had. Uh, LeBron James is likely to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. ESPN did a story on this and talked to Luca to be like, hey, you're off to an unbelievable start in your career. Kind of being like, could you think you could one day pass what LeBron is about to do? And Luca gave two terrific quotes. One, he said, if you're saying me, there's no way because I'm not playing that much. I don't know about 20 years. That's a long time to play basketball. I'd rather go back to my farm in Slovenia. I don't know. Given his money, it's probably a nice farm. <laughs> Did you see the thing where like he won he won the Michael Jordan award and like put it way back, but the thing his horse got is at the front? <laughs> I didn't really? Yes, he his horse won a blue ribbon and it's at the front of his locker. Like should be. Uh, like, hey guys, have you heard about my horse? It should be. Yeah, yeah, I want some did, did Michael. Did his horse win a race? I, 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 I like, don't know. Or like, is there like a best in show I think horse he, show? He just like best horse. That's great. It's the horse in Slovenia, or does he like have it in Texas? Because I feel like in Texas, they're probably. Oh, yeah. oh probably if he won best own, horse in Texas. He has two farms. He probably has a farm in Texas. Right. Be phenomenal. So, uh, Lucas seems great. I love the idea of him being as young as he is and being like, you think I'm playing this league for 20 right. years? Look <laughs> at saying, I'm not doing that. Um, so yeah, there's Luka Doncic. Seems like a lot of fun. I will say, I actually think most athletes, if they had something like whatever the hell Luka's horse is doing, I think outside of winning a championship, most of them probably would be more proud of the horse winning best in show or a race, whatever he does, than the most, most of the awards they win. Because they've been playing basketball their whole lives, and most of these guys have been great at it their whole lives. They're like, yeah, of course I win awards. But like you win your horse wins something, you're like, yeah. I've never won a horse race a or whatever ribbon. he won. Yeah, you'd be like, Hell yeah, my horse won a race. Or do they do horse best in show? Oh, the what is it, the dressage and other kind of horse? Oh, uh, I forgot about dressage. Dressage and other you, I don't know what his horse does. Can you imagine races? Luca on a horse that's doing like a little the little dressage? Little, the little dances? dance prancing? Oh, oh that'd that's be great. That'd be great. That needs to be Maverick's halftime show. Is Luca, Luca comes out and prances horse. around the court. Oh, that'd be phenomenal entertainment. Get that in here. I'm out. All AAA ballparks will have robot umps in 2023. Here's how they're going to do it. Half of the season, balls and strikes will be called by the robot strike zone. The other half of the season... Human umps will call balls and strikes, and there will be a challenge system in place. So the human umps will still call the game as normal, and each team will have three challenges. Now, if you get them right, you continue to have more challenges. You don't lose them if you get them all right. Uh, but they won't have the robot call all balls and strikes. It'll be a human, and then if there's a challenge, they go to the robot. Why do I want all robots? Because the challenge system is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Why on earth would you have a robot strike zone that can call balls and strikes in real time and still use the humans and say, listen, if they mess up, you got to challenge, challenge it. it. That's the dumbest. That's the least logical thing 
you could possibly think of. And the player's obviously challenging it. Yeah, and listen, they've tried the challenge system at some lower levels, so this isn't brand new. I think the real problem here is the umpires association is not going to go for 100% robot umps. So the first thing we're going to see in Major League Baseball is this stupid challenge system when we're going to sit here and we be like, we have the technology. It's literally being used to call every pitch right, but we still have this stupid challenge system in play. It's dumb, and I can't believe they're actually entertaining it. Just give us the damn give robot us the robots. Ups. Yeah. It's 99.9% act. Sometimes they struggle with curveballs at the top of the zone. Whatever. Umpires struggle with fastballs down, down the, middle the middle sometimes. Hello, Angel. Give us the 99.9% robot strike zone. And don't give me this stupid challenge system. So if I get one wrong, and then in the eighth inning you blow a call, I can't challenge right. because I missed one Because I already did fourth? it in the third inning. Maybe just call them all right with the damn robots to start the game. It's 93% effective. It's better than the umps. And it's it? not. It's 99.9%. Okay. I... That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. (laughs) Lamar Jackson says his knee is unstable. He tweeted, I suffered a PCL grade two sprain on the, and it's on the borderline of a strain three. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give a 100% to myself, to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we have a chance. Can we have Lamar Jackson give us Golden Knights updates? Give everybody's injury <laughs> updates. He's he's not just saying a knee sprain. He's saying PCL grade two That's on the borderline right. of grade three. So he's not playing. The The phrasing of unstable knee, Yeah, that sounds like I know it's probably just a phrase and, and the PCL grade two sprain is probably worse. Uh, but just the phrase unstable knee does not sound. That sounds like every time he walks. His knee Something, is like his knee shaking. buckles. His knee shakes and buckles. So unstable knee, probably not playing an NFL game, which means we're getting either Anthony Brown or Tyler Huntley. Uh, Tyler Huntley is also not healthy, so it could be Anthony Brown at quarterback. I believe he's a rookie. I think he was an undrafted rookie, which means we can which have means they're Tyler out. Thompson and Anthony Brown. Yeah, they're out. And by the way, Brock Purdy, another rookie quarterback uh, in the NFL postseason. What do you think? The AFC championship game could be played in Atlanta. If the Chiefs and Bills meet in the AFC title game, it will be at a neutral site. And the NFL says that site will be Atlanta. How did we lose to Atlanta? I don't know, because Mark Davis said we are ready. Vegas is what ready happened? to take this game. And they chose Atlanta? Yeah. What happened here? I don't understand. Did the Pro Bowl cost us this game? Did the NFL say, or did Mark David, I don't know. Did anybody say, no, the Pro Bowl's there? We can't turn the stadium around? Or the NFL said, nah, we don't want to give you two events in back-to-back weeks? Could be it. That's stupid. That could be it. They're going to send them to Atlanta instead? Come on. They could have easily handled both events. Right. I would I would hope so. Well, I mean, the field they're... didn't look very good in that last game of the regular season, so <laughs> maybe not. Maybe they were worried, like, uh-oh. It might, it might rain one day in Vegas and the grass will be ruined. They'll blame soccer somehow. Um <laughs> So yeah, AFC title game could be in Atlanta. The only other thing I could think is maybe they looked at it and said, let's try to find somewhere a little bit closer to both Kansas City and Buffalo. Then bringing them all the way out here. Right. That's the only thing I could think out that would be like, ah, we could do Vegas, but 
then Buffalo's got to fly across the country. Because if yeah. I'm Buffalo, I'm probably complaining if you put it in Vegas. Yes. I'm probably With saying, that flight? Well, yeah, I got to yeah. fly all the way across the country yeah. to get there. Atlanta, still not exactly a short flight from Buffalo. No, but, but it's shorter. It's better. And Kansas City, it's kind of it's south, but it's kind of in the middle of the two. Yeah, great question. Yeah, again, great question. The WNBA All-Star Game is returning to Las Vegas. We hosted it in 2021. Last year, it was in Chicago. This feel like an event that'll be in Vegas every other year? Might be in there every year. I'm thinking they'll want to give it to some other cities. Like, hey, we're going to go to Chicago. We're going to go to Seattle. We're going to go to D.C., whatever. They're going to rotate it a little bit. Not liking that. But it does feel like it'll be here. A lot. Right. That it'll be, yeah. Congrats, Chicago. Yeah. Congrats, L.A. We're going back, We're going to, back Vegas to Vegas every yes. other year because that's the way they want to do it. Yeah. So the All-Star Game is here. I meant to look this up. Uh, is it going to overlap with Summer League? It's in. It's. I think they're both in July. So okay. it might overlap with Summer League, which... July 15th? Could overlap. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is... Could overlap. Could yeah. conceivably be a good thing for the WNBA All-Star Game. Well, you'd have a lot of players here who would show right. up. That would you'd come have out a lot of players here who would show up. Maybe you could do something fun with NBA players that are here. Yeah. Luca could uh, ride a horse. <laughs> yeah. I just figured out that I totally screwed that story up. So, Which one? Does Luca not have a horse? He gave the Joker shoes for his horse. Jokic has the horse. I totally... Nikola Jokic has a horse. Yes. Luca gave Jokic horseshoes for the horse or like boots? Nikes. For the horse. Air Jordans for the horse. Okay. Because it could have been like boots with spurs. Because, for, right. because Jokic. Jokic is so obsessed with his horse that Luca makes fun of him. So, so I totally screwed the so story does up. Jokic have a, did Jokic's horse win something? Yes. Okay. So He's the do, one with the blue ribbon. We do have a horse I that confused the two Eastern European white guys. <laughs> so so Jokic, based on an interaction between the two of them. Jokic puts the blue ribbon ahead of the MVP trophies. Yes. As wow. he should. Wow. As he should. Do and you, Luca mocks him for it. <laughs> as he should. Do you know where that horse is located? Okay. I will look it up, but then I will look it up a second time so that I don't screw up. Like, I, I would love if Nicola Jokic... some Colorado is, farms. I hope sure. his horse is in Colorado yeah. is what I'm hoping. Like, I hope he's like, yeah, I'm going to ride my horse into yeah. practice today. Like, they had to... The, he was like, all right, next contract... You guys need to set up a stable for me to ride my horse into practice. He's good enough. Can you imagine that guy on a horse? <laughs> He's good enough. He's massive. I, we're so used to seeing, like, jockeys on horses. Can you imagine Nikola Jokic on a horse? Guy's as big as a horse. Be phenomenal. I'm, try- I'm literally now just lost in that there's a picture of him on a horse. Oh, and I'm trying oh to there is? To you guys. It's going to be great. Email it to us. I want us. That's all I want. Nikola Jokic riding horses. What are those things that the horses pull that have like two? Like it's. I see it all the time when I'm at a sports book. It's in the like left hand corner. And the carriages. Ho- yes, is that what it's called? I don't know what they're called. They they have a special name. Yeah, the racing. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like carriage racing. Maybe they call it chariot racing because that sounds cooler than carriage racing. Is that what Luca's doing? Yes. Or, I mean, is that what Nikola He's Jokic is doing? He's sitting in one of those. I need, I, listen, we need Luka and Jokic to have a race. I just put it at the bottom of the front page in the rundown. We need Luka and Nikola Jokic to have a race where they sit in the little carriage and ride behind horses. I feel like Jokic probably has the advantage. Oh, my God. 
He's huge. He doesn't he's fit. He's bigger than the horse. He doesn't fit in that. He's so much bigger than the horse. Oh, this is in Serbia. So according to this tweet, the horse he has is in Serbia, not in Denver. Get the horse to Colorado or just buy a Colorado horse. Oh, my God. Look at him. <laughs> he's staring off into the distance. That is hilarious. It's great. You could superimpose like one him into the horse and it would be the same size. It's, it's great. It's phenomenal. We got to get more Luca and Nikola Yoka tour stories. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV. They take on Colorado State this weekend. Kuzmanovic struggling against Keyshawn Gilbert. Kuzmanovic down the left side. Kuzmanovic flips it back to Milner, who's off balance. Oh, and they call a foul. Are you kidding me? Milner just tripped, and they call a blocking foul. The official 25 feet away from that call. They call a foul on Keyshawn saying he pushed him. Milner just tripped and threw the ball up against the bottom of the rim. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. UNLV back in action taking on Colorado State this weekend. Can they afford a loss to Colorado State? No, I don't think they can. I don't think they can either. either. (laughs) Uh, So because of where Colorado sits, they're 130 in net, they're 117 in Ken Palm. This would be a quad three game for UNLV. Win or loss, it'll be a quad three game. So far, UNLV has one quad three loss on the season. That is San Francisco. Uh, So this would give them two quad three losses, which is not good. They need to avoid as many of those as possible also just outside of the ncaa tournament resume colorado state's one and four in the mountain west colorado state might end up as like the the 10 seed in the mountain west tournament or something like that the way this is going maybe nine because they'll finish out of fresno state but this is one of the bottom two or three teams in the conference unlv needs to win this just for the sake of conference tournament seeding and conference record and confidence right Uh, yeah don't lose this game because there's there's an interesting part about colorado state defensively they rank 228th in ken palm like they're atrocious on that side of the ball unlv is actually as easy as their schedule was they actually played some good defensive teams throughout the year because they've only played three teams that's defensive efficiency was outside the top 200 incarnate word high point in san diego they won all three of those by the way, um, but Colorado state, they're actually their biggest problem on defense is allowing threes. They allow opponents to shoot a lot of threes and they allow opponents to make a lot of threes. Teams are shooting 37% from three against Colorado state. So here's the maybe scary question for you. Do you think UNLV <laughs> needs to hit threes to beat Colorado state? I don't think they need to hit threes and I don't think you want to put that on them. I just, it's what Colorado state's I, I know, the worst at. Presumably, they'll be able to get to the lane. I think they can be able to get to the rim enough to beat right. Colorado State and get to the free throw line, which right. is what which they're they, actually good they at. Do. But there's a chance here that they get into this game, and it's like, oh, Colorado State's taking away layups, and they're not fouling us. Uh, we're going to need to shoot some threes, and we'll see if they can make some. UNLV mm-hmm. is 236th in the country in three point shooting. 236 this season. Yeah, hasn't been has it, two years. That's the thing. Two years of Kevin Kruger. This year, they're 236th in three-point shooting. Last year, they were 201st in three-point shooting. That has not been a priority for Kevin Kruger when roster building. Now, the other side of this, Colorado State's actually a good offensive team. They're 55th in Ken Palm offense. They shoot well from two and from three. And then 
Here's the sort of combined interesting part about Colorado State, especially when you look at what just happened with Boise State. Colorado State's going to have four or five shooters on the floor at all times. Their centers do shoot, but it's like one, three a game. They're not really out there shooting a lot, but they will put one up. So it's more likely four shooters. But the other part, Colorado's top 10 in the country in assist rate, which is just the percentage of your made shots that are assisted. After the Boise State game, the main thing Kevin Kruger complimented Boise State on was they're a good passing team. They'll pass to find your weakness on defense. They'll pass to find the mistake on defense. There's a chance that's a problem again. That could definitely be a problem if Colorado State's making shots. Right. Now, to me, the bigger issue with Boise State, the passing was obviously good for Boise State, but the bigger issue was they beat UNLV off the dribble Mm -hmm. to open up those passing lanes. Those passing lanes aren't really open if you don't get beat off the dribble. I'm going to make the assumption. Isaiah Stevens is still at Colorado State. He's very good. They might have some trouble with him. But I'm going to make the assumption that UNLV has a much better defensive game. Colorado State is not as good as Boise State. And UNLV actually does stay in front of guys and doesn't get beat off the dribble. And Colorado State will still have some good plays, some good passings, probably a high assist number. But it won't be anywhere close to what Boise State did just because UNLV is going to be better at defending guys and not getting beat off the dribble. All right. I mean, it makes sense, but Isaiah Stevens is is a good player. Right. I mean, listen, if the first five minutes of the game, Isaiah Stevens in the paint like every other possession, it might be time to to panic and be like, oh, they can't stay in front of somebody again. This team's going to light them up, and UNLV would have to outscore them. It's a bad defense, so maybe they actually could outscore them, but... That that that'll be a bad sign. If it's like, hey, the first few possessions, Colorado State's getting into the paint and finding whether it's an open shooter or an open guy at the basket for a lay-in. That's what Boise State did. And if Colorado State starts doing that, you might have a little bit of an issue. Um on EJ Harkless, what do you think they get out of him tomorrow? I actually think they get a good game out of him, especially against that kind of defense. Yeah. They against should. that kind of defense, they should get a good game out of him offensively. And they're going to need it. We've talked about this before. When he's down and others can't step up, they get into trouble. So the interesting part on, on EJ Harkless is it's pretty black and white their last six games. The UNLV, they start, what did they start? 10-0, 11-0. Their last six games, they're 2-4. and four. And in those six, it's very simple. When EJ Harkless has an efficient game, when his offensive rating is 100 or better, in the last six, you know they win two and zero. When his offensive rating is under one hundred, the last two games they're zero and four. It's it's that simple. If Harkless has a good game, they win. UNLV wins. Yep. Their defense obviously wasn't Boise State, but their defense is still good. That if they can get some efficiency from their top scorer, their offense will be just good enough to win games. Here's my question for you: From a coaching standpoint, maybe it's too late in the year to actually do this. But EJ Harkless, he's taken at least 15 field goal attempts the last six games. If he's struggling, if he's like two for eight at halftime, does Kevin Kruger need to have him take less shots? Is there any way to change what their offense is? If that guy's two for eight at halftime, I have him shoot more. Because he's going to go off for eight minutes. He's going to go off and hit eight of 10 shots. So let saying, me ask keep, it the other way. Keep shooting. Keep if he, shooting. If he's seven of eight at halftime, then I you... might say, calm down. 
You've got your points. We don't need you going 0 for 8 in the next six minutes. It's totally reversed, right? If he's not any good in the first half, I, you know he's going to explode in the second okay. half. Okay. All right. So it's the reverse of what I yes, was thinking. Yeah. If he's bad, say, all right, we're feeding him. We're feeding him. And if he's good, all right, let's sit down on the bench, take some time here. <laughs> exactly. Everything will be great. Um, but that, I mean, it has been crazy how he's had ridiculous spurts one way or the other. Yeah. Where he'll, I mean, he'll have halves where you're like, why is that guy the leading scorer on the team? Why is he taking so many shots? He can't make anything. And then all of a sudden, he just drills like five shots in two minutes. I mean, and, think if the San Diego State game had been closer. He scored 10 minutes, he scored 10 right. points in a minute 34 or something like that. It was over. The game was over at that point. But So, aside from the shots, let me ask you this. We talked to Mike Ramallah, who's talked about he thinks E.J. Harkless is tired at the end of games. He thinks he gets worn out because he goes through these stretches where he's taking so many shots, such of a so much of the burden on offense. Harkless this year is fourth in the Mountain West in minutes per game in conference play only, not looking at non-conference, just conference play so far. Fourth in the conference. Third, by the way, is Luis Rodriguez. So they've got two of the top four guys in terms of minutes in the conference. Do they need to rest Harkless more earlier in the game so he's better late in games? Now, there is something you should think about um, in terms of t- other than telling him to shoot less or shoot more. Uh, if they and, and Mike has seen it. Mike's at every game, and I don't think Mike's wrong in terms of that. And they looked, and the announcers said it the other night. They, they said they looked gassed. Oh, he, that I mean, was, Mike said it a couple games ago. But the game, the last game against Boise State was the first time I was like, oh, wow, Harkless looks exhausted. Yeah. Like defensively, he wasn't giving much effort. There were multiple possessions where or in between possessions where he like hands on his knees. Like it was like, oh, yeah, you can tell that he was tired. tired. The problem, though, like in that second half against Boise State, Kruger actually gave Harkless a break, brought in Jackie Johnson. First possession, Jackie Johnson had a turnover that led to a fast break layup. And Harkless came back in the game for Jackie right. Johnson. So it becomes a question of, can you survive with Harkless on the bench? And you should be able to. You should be able to play. In most Mountain West games. Jordan McCabe for you know an extra two or three minutes. Jackie Johnson for an extra two or three minutes. You should be able to do that. You just kind of have to suck it up. And if Jackie Johnson has one turnover, say, okay, he had one turnover. But we're going to survive this because we need Harkless to be right. uh, a little fresher at the end of the game so we can pull this one out. Coming up next, Ben Brown joins the show. We're definitely not satisfied just to have made the playoffs. You know, that's not how, how we see it as a group. We were confident in our team uh, dating back to training camp and knew what we were able to accomplish. So, yeah, we're by no means satisfied just to be in the playoffs. We expect to, to play well and to win, and that's our expectation every week. That doesn't change us. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Joining us now from Pro Football Focus is Ben Brown. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Hey guys, happy Friday. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I know you're trying to play the Daniel Jones clip, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, make me think a little bit more about what's going to happen this weekend. But I am fully on board with the Vikings train. Nothing you can say or do or play is going <laughs> to uh, impact that. I would say. Okay, hold on, hold on. When you say fully on board. Is this Minnesotan Ben Brown just thinks they're going to win, or is this Ben Brown is betting on the Vikings to win? I mean, this is Minnesota Ben Brown just like okay. hoping and praying that All I right. can keep up my optimism enough until Sunday 
kickoff time to the point where I'm not in like the pit of misery before. So yeah, this is this is very much not betting advice. I would say that. Much. <laughs> okay. All right. What? Uh, so what is your favorite bet? What do you think is uh, the best shot to win a bet uh, this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I do like the Chargers quite a bit on Saturday night. Obviously, the spread is moved in their direction a little bit, but I don't think, you know, the number going from like minus one to minus two and a half is a huge impact. So anything, you know, below minus three, I think the Chargers are definitely the correct side. You know, the the Jaguars kind of got the fluky victory in a lot of ways last weekend against Tennessee, but I think in essentially, you know, every spot that we can conceivably think of, the the, the Chargers are probably ahead in this one, outside of maybe, you know, the, the coaching considerations, but even that, I think, is a little bit overstated here. So if I was going to make, you know, probably only one bet this weekend, it, it would be on the charge yeah. minus two and a half. I was literally going to ask you if they're going to charger it up. Nah, they're going to win it. Uh, it's a new Chargers era. I don't know. The, the charger up is coming, I would say, maybe a little bit further on down the line. But I think in the wild card round, uh, we might want to expect their best performance and get Kind of everybody maybe on the bandwagon, and then that's when the real the real letdown is going to happen. I would say. How do you bake in a team chargering it up, or in your case, pulling a Vikings and missing a kick? I mean, that's that is the hard part, right? Because it's very much we're kind of resting more so on you know league wide average and and those sorts of trends because that gives us the biggest sample size. So. Some of those team-specific nuances, I would say, kind of very much get lost in the data. So I, I would say in some ways you're kind of leaving it up you know, to, to your own handicapping. Like this weekend, our models do like um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, I would say, at that minus three differential. But you know, we're not taking into account the fact that the, the Vikings have been absolutely chaotic, I would say, in some of these endgame-type situations um, you know, it, it, to a certain extent. So I think you know, being able to kind of separate the two and still maybe like understand what's going to actually happen is, you know, very much I would say key, uh, a key component of sports betting. So although our models recommend the Vikings, you know, I, I didn't take that opportunity to say, you know, Ben, Ben as a better would also recommend the Vikings. Cause I still am very much baking in some sort of craziness happening to the Vikings at the end of the game. You like the chargers this weekend, but if you were placing a bet on who wins a super bowl first, would you take Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence? I would actually, that is a really good question. I would probably, I probably would take Trevor Lawrence. I do think long-term, you know, the, the outlook for, um, you know, where the Jaguars are probably headed. I know their cap situation is kind of weird after being in a really good spot last year. And they, you know, did allocate a lot of resources to free agent guys that I'm not overly excited about. But I think defensively they're headed in the right direction. I think with Kelvin Ridley kind of in the fold next year as well, like they do have that number one wide receiver option. So I, I think I would definitely place, you know, and even if it was an even odds, I would definitely probably still lead in the Jaguars direction for that outcome. I saw a stat this morning, teams, I think nine and above ATS and straight up do really well in this round of all these huge spreads. Do you like one over the other? Um, I do. I mean, I do kind of like both. Probably, I would say the, the the widest spreads now kind of coming up. I outside of San Francisco, I don't. I do think Seattle is probably the only real dog that I would play this weekend. But um, I do think Buffalo, you know, out to minus thirteen and a half, with going up against a third string quarterback, it does feel very much like this is going to be kind of a show out game for them. I know they were obviously, the, you know, the, the the consensus favorite to win the Super Bowl in the preseason, and for a lot of the a lot of the stretch, even through the midway part of the season, but 
they very much, I would say, probably feel like they are, you know, the, the third tier, the third best team in the AFC right now. And I, so I think they're kind of set out to prove that against the third string quarterback. There's no way I'm backing Miami. So I, I do think Buffalo has a really good chance of covering, even though as wide of the spread as that's getting. I also think the total is probably going to come down. And then Cincinnati, I mean, they are, they've just been kind of, like you said, so good against the spread. Um, very much, you know, have all the pieces in place. And I just don't think Baltimore has enough offensively with Tyler Huntley in the fold, you know, given the pass catching considerations outside of Mark Andrews to even be able to keep that one close. So I would actually probably be laying it with both Cincinnati and Buffalo uh, this weekend, I would say, on Sunday. Who do you think should be favored, Tampa or Dallas? It is a good question. I do think I do think Dallas right now is the is the far superior team in so many areas. I know the I know the Dak Prescott game last weekend was bad, and it was but it was kind of just an overall I would say team letdown performance from Dallas. The two special teams gaffes basically to start the game with you know the the punter dropping the snap and then the punt returner um, you know also dropping the punt like that 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 gave, basically gave the Washington Commanders. You know, spotted them 10 points. They probably should have been up close to the 21 points at that point. And I think they weren't because, you know, Dallas defensively is so good, right? So even in like a low-scoring choppy game, I, I very much think Dallas defensively can probably win this game on their own, especially if a guy like Ryan Jensen isn't in the fold in that interior offensive line position at center for Tampa Bay. So I like Dallas in the spot, moving off of three down to two and a half. Um, I, I do think they probably are the correct side and should be favored in this particular matchup. You mentioned Seattle. Is Brock Purdy going to have to make a key play or two, or are they just you know good enough around him to where he just, as usual, just kind of manages things? Uh, I I really think it comes down to Geno Smith. If we see you know early season Geno Smith, you know with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, I think they have they have um, you know very much matches they could win. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Nick Bosa, but if they can kind of I would say alleviate some of those pressure considerations early on in the game. Then Brock Purdy is going to have to is going to have to make some plays in order to win this matchup. So I, I think the key is going to be how they handle Nick Bosa. If they do, I would say in some ways alleviate his pressure situations. Seattle, I would say, is very much you know going to force Brock Purdy to beat them at the end, and will and that'll be the question of if he does. But at some point, Brock Purdy is going to have to make some throws on the football field. I would say if the if the 49ers want to get out of the NFC, it might not happen in this matchup, but. It is going to happen at some point, and I think that's maybe the reason why I, I'm not overly bullish on the 49ers getting through this NFC playoff picture. So if you're betting a team to win the Super Bowl right now, who do you think has sort of the best value and could actually win it? I I, I do think it's the Kansas City Chiefs. So I feel like, you know, we've moved to this, you know, number one seed kind of has this buy and, and the home field advantage and all these things, and that might not play out in the AFC, you know, uh, specifically, but uh, I still think the market's probably undervaluing how valuable that buy is as well for the Kansas City Chiefs having to play one less game. They very much are going to avoid either you know Buffalo or Cincinnati and really only have to beat one of those teams. So I think it's Kansas City. I know it's kind of chalky right now, but uh, I-, I still think they pretty much have the best value on the board given where they're currently at uh, you know, and-, and given how well they can play with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. If you made a Super Bowl pick that wasn't the one or the two seed on either side, who would it be? 
It would be a, it would be a Chiefs Vikings Super Bowl for sure. I think is uh, <laughs> the, 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 the scenario that's going to happen. I don't know. I'm expecting. I don't know who's going to come out of the NFC, but I'm expecting some chaos here. You know, at, at some point. So maybe it's the three seed. It could be the four or five seed as well. Maybe it's the six seed. I don't know, but um, I, I'm expecting. I would say the 49ers to lose, and then maybe Philadelphia okay. gets there. But if not. Uh, we're, we're going to have one really weird NFC representative, I would say, coming up in the Super Bowl this year. See, we're going to get an upset team, and it's ultimately just going to be Tom Brady back again in the Super Bowl. And we're like, yeah, yeah it's not really that weird. It's going to suck. Right. All right. He's Ben Brown from Pro Football <laughs> Focus, who is way too optimistic about the Vikings. Ben, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Have a great show. So there's Ben Brown on Pro Football, or from Pro Football Focus on the NFL playoffs. I- I did not know this. The Cowboys are 0-7 against Brady all time. I did very, not know that. That's not very good. That's not very good. He's only played at the NFC. For... Well, that's true. That's true. But he's, I think he's probably played him maybe once or twice with them. The Cowboys also lost eight straight playoff games on the road. These stats are not, not now uh, not making me feel good on Monday night. That's okay. They, I, they also I, haven't been relevant since the 90s. Like, <laughs> Are we just saying things about the Cowboys? I am assuming this is the worst Tom Brady team the Cowboys have ever played. I'm assuming oh, so, oh, every, since every on time the, on the played, seven games, every yeah, time yeah, they yeah, played yeah. Brady, yeah. the team has been really good. This year's Buccaneers team is fine, but they're not really good. What, okay, what I'll give you that. Is. Yeah, I'll like, give you that. They every single time they pre- except played this them. year they opened up with a loss to them. Yeah, it's like that was like four months ago. The Raiders thought they yeah, were going to the playoffs. Yeah, that's when Dak wasn't playing good. Yeah, the Ra- <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders thought they were going to the playoffs when that game happened. So it was a lot. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett were still together. It was yeah, Bronco Country. Let's, let's ride. Let's yeah. ride. So that, that was a lo- lot changed since then. And All right, Cooper Rush came in to inspire the troops. You're uh, making me feel better. Inspire I'll change that at nine o'clock. Coming up next, <laughs> I got a fun soccer story for you. Live from the Finley Toyota Studio. It's Grady and Bishop. I get the impression that you don't respect me as a producer. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to give you that impression. I should have been more clear. I 100% don't respect you as a producer or as a man. I guess I don't respect you in totality. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, I have a phenomenal story for you in the world of soccer. There's a new seven-a-side soccer league in Spain. It's run by Gerard Piquet. It's called the Kings League. A player in this league has played in, I believe, two games now in a luchador mask. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Now, Lights FC is (laughs) calling their lawyers. Right. But the reason that a player has played in this league in a luchador mask um, is because he plays for a team in La Liga, the top uh, 11 aside football league in Spain. And he apparently did not receive permission from his team, from his club team, to play in this seven aside league. And he said, well, bleep you, I'm going to play it anyways. But he wears a luchador mask, so you can't see his face, long sleeves, and gloves, and the back of his jersey, his last name is Enigma. Are the, are the sleeves to hide 
tattoos where he could be recognized? I guess. So here, here was the interesting part, because I thought, okay, you want to hide like even just your skin tone, right? To be like, so they can't tell what my skin tone is. But he his knees are uncovered. So right. you can see exactly. his knees. Right. <laughs> so you know what his skin tone is. But like, incredible that there is somebody out there that is just like, I didn't receive permission. I'm going to wear a luchador mask to play in this seven-a-side league. Have we gotten the videos of, I think I know who the player is. Look at these kneecaps versus these kneecaps. I have not seen it. But here's the other part of this. I I have to believe if you are, well, first off, how many players across Spain asked to play in this league and got rejected? Yeah, that's the key because if it's a 1,000, you might not know who this guy right. is. If it's like two, you're like, wait a minute. Right. That's Joe. And I, if I... If I was running a team in Spain and one of my players came and asked me, hey, I would like to play in this league. And I said, I don't think so, buddy. Like you're <laughs> under contract for us. You're not tearing your ACL or pulling a hamstring. On a sevens. Right. And then there's a player in a luchador mask playing in this seven aside league. I feel like I could identify the way he runs his yeah. body. type. Like, I feel like I could identify yeah. if it was my player or not. I don't know. I feel like I could easily figure out who this is if it was my player. So that leads me to believe this is some sort of marketing stunt. From the club? Mm, okay. No, well, maybe the club's involved, but some the, from the seven-a-side league. They were like, right. how do we get a little bit more attention? Well, what if we say we have a player that's not supposed to be playing in our league and he wears Plays a with the mask, and, mask. And, the long, and the long sleeves? <laughs> And maybe they have like maybe a player did get permission from his team or something like that, and they were like, ah, what what about this is a fun idea to get people paying attention, get those idiots in Las Vegas to mention this Kings League because for what why else would we mention it except for there's a guy in a luchador mask that's not supposed to be playing in it. I <laughs> so part of me believes this is some sort of marketing stunt where it's not actually somebody that's not allowed to be playing soccer. I just find it funny that. Part of the controversy is he uh, he wants to continue playing the sport in his spare time where we got <laughs> baseball players that are like, if you get on a dirt bike, you void yeah, exactly, your $100 million exactly. contract. That but, might be the issue. His contract might be void. If he actually got banned, might be void. If there's, if and I can't believe this is true, that there were countless guys who said, let me play in this league and then would do this. So your marketing theory kind of holds water there because, again, most guys, if they would be asked, if they would ask and be told no, they'd say, "Okay, I won't play." I mean, they they would just they they're not going to go and say, "Can I wear a mask?" Right, right. <laughs> I mean, so the marketing. I hear you angle, saying no. I didn't think of the marketing angle, holds water because uh, I I just I mean this guy really to go against his club for a seven aside league must really really either love soccer <laughs> or for whatever reason is okay with doing this. And you're right. If you know your player well enough, you could figure out this is him. Right. And the other the other part of this is if you if you're the seven aside league, the whole point of having a La Liga player is because you can market, hey, we've got this big name player. It might not even be a big name player, but we've got this player you've heard of before. Come watch our league. The guy's in a mask. You can't right. even market that you have a lot. Yeah, you can't even market him. You can't be like, hey, come watch this guy. You watch him play in the weekend for 
Valencia against Real Madrid. Now come watch them in the Kings League. It 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 doesn't doesn't work that way. So I feel like this is some because otherwise, why would you? If you were that league, why would you want the guy that can't show his identity? You wouldn't, unless it's a right. funny story like this. Is he good? No idea. You think I watch the Kings League? I mean, I feel like anytime you bring information to the table, you have at least some level of stats no, to it. All, I don't have any idea. All I, I know is people call him the masked winger on Twitter right. and they and they want a uh, masked singer type show <laughs> yes. where you, there's a new player every week and everybody has to guess who the masked who the winger is. is. Yeah. Uh, which actually might not be uh, Just that Ken, bad of an idea. Ken Jong on the side screaming, I think it's messy. That's right. <laughs> every week. Who could it be? So uh, there's your fun soccer story. And as Jared said, Lights FC, no longer the uh, most popular luchador soccer story in the world. They've been beaten out by Gerard Piquet's Kings League. Uh, so, yeah, it's a fun story. This uh, thing on TV? Could I don't think so. Maybe in Spain. Could you even breathe right wearing a luchador mask and playing looks soccer? looks like it had the slit there for I the mean, mouth. it does. But, it does. Like, but that's a... Sounds terrible. Pretty- Cardiovascular sport. That was when you start, yeah, you with start the mask on. Start sweating a lot in there. Yeah. If it's a little loose, sweat starts running down. You can't wipe it off your face. Sounds like a terrible thing to do. You got to pay that guy double because he's got to wear a luchador mask while playing. Man. Were those gloves? Yeah, he's wearing gloves. Can't see. Don't let him see your hands. They might identify your fingernails or something. Big deal. Maybe he's got a hand. You think he's got a hand tattoo? That's, That's what he's be, hiding. Yeah, he's hiding. Hide the, the tattoos he's and the, the face. Tats.